Hey, and welcome to another week of the Rugby Report Card. Another week, another Tars win. And Hooper is back this week. <laughs> Jim, you must be groveling in your... I'm uh, uh, really concerned about this week. Is up the Tars, mate. How are you this week? Yeah, good, mate. Don't get too excited. The, the local club team from the second capital. <laughs> and uh, also with us today is Blake. How are you, mate? I'm good, mate. I, I'm, I'm, I want to chat Six Nations. I want to... I want to chat the French. Can we not go out of order? We've, we've made it clear that we start at the bottom. We don't jump around to try and... No, no. The only the thing that down. trumps that is if England loses, where we start. Uh, I reckon. So we're uh, starting there. Oh, just like that, is it? You're going for me straight away, boys, are you? That's, that's great. Awesome. Mate, what a, what a time slot too, that 6 a.m. start where you wake up Sunday morning, you're a little groggy, I know you are, Richard. You wake up at 6 a.m., you flick it on, and it's just a packed stadium with everything on the line. Like, what a way to start your Sunday. Tell me I'm wrong. Yeah, you're wrong, Jim. I've got a little (laughs) one. You're just wrong. Six o'clock is a terrible time slot. Uh, First of all, nothing to lose. Like, sorry, England had a lot to lose, and they were pretty shit. So, um yeah, I think I think that's a good analysis. Should we move on to the Super Rugby now? Nah, not at all. They um just look they they had front football England. They really did. They um they put themselves in a couple of positions to make it a real big contest, but they just could not execute. They just could not finish. Mm. And the French defense, mate, you could write novels. You could write thesis <laughs> on that shit. Like that was so impressive. Mm. Yeah, like out, just out of this world. Like the fact that they all just get over the ball, like you got to be on. You make a line break, the odds are against you. You just there's no way you're going to get that ball back unless you're on it. That's I think that's an awesome point, Jim. Because two things I, I think on that point. One is, uh, and we'll talk to France because I think they uh, are that beautiful blend of all different styles of world rugby at the moment. But it actually made me think of England. Your point about that over the ball it reminds me of the 2007 Wallabies. Um, it, it, it's a team that isn't playing well as a unit. Whenever they have half a line break, they lose the ball because they look like they have no systems. And that's what England looked like to me. Every time there's a half a line break, they turn the ball over. Um, and, and you see that with some teams. that so They still can play good football because they're good footballers, but they don't have the systems in place to be over that ball at breakdown. They just looked lost. They looked absolutely lost. And I think that's where France uh, capitalised over the ball. Um, I think it's um, a really good point, Jim. I think you're right about systems in play, but I think it's also a curse of of uh, inconsistency in selection, you know. Um, with that chopping and changing, you look at the back row, you even look at the back three has changed a lot. Um, and I just think that with that inconsistency has led to players being a bit more of a silo going on their own and getting isolated. Um, and even just the makeup of that back row, you know, I love Courtney Law as a supplier, but as an international six, not quite sure about that. How, how is he captain, man? I, I'm not sure. Um, there's a number of other captains, not even club captain. There's a number of, I think, better captains uh, than him. But the it's just question, time at the crease, like that's what it amounts to in the end, or it's just some weird Eddie Jones fucking mind. Maybe, game. but it, it is it is Owen Farrell, but obviously Owen Farrell's been injured. But the bigger question for me is is really, I'd love to know your opinion because we don't want to go into the too too many specifics because I think it's obvious. But how long does 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 Eddie Jones have? Because I can give you my opinion afterwards, but. You know, if he, if he comes down here and loses loses all three games, loses two games, loses one game, whatever it is, 
Um, does he does he get fired? Uh, I think I think he's in a lot of trouble, Richard. Um, and um, if you boys had the same <laughs> stand commentary that I had, they turned on him in about the seventy fifth minute with their daggers ready to go. Um, and I think the reason he's in trouble is. You're right, that inconsistency over selection. Mm. Um, and then even not practising what he preached, right? He, he spoke about uh, being the entertaining side and playing this um, attacking brand of rugby. Well, he ended the Six Nations fifth place and he ended the Six Nations picking a side that only had the up and under um, or the crossfield kick as their genuinely only threats in that last game against France, which I just thought was was so sad to see from the team that started the Six Nations. So I think a a, a bad trip down under, and I don't think that's a fait accompli. Yeah, he's, um, he's gone back to his old Bocky tactic book. Um, the circles that I've been walking around in to answer your question, Richard, is they're sort of like they're talking how he might not even make it to Australia. They're just waiting to see whether Stuart Lancaster does with his contract whether or not they get back him in which there is, because... Which is interesting. Sorry to interrupt you, Jim, which is interesting because Stuart Lancaster was obviously there beforehand and he was chastised. You know, he changed yeah. the culture. We use that word a lot on this. But he changed it, but it wasn't winning. You know, it was, the, it was a great, you know, all togetherness, et cetera, but we wanted to win. And Eddie Jones was supposed to be that person to come in and win. And, and he's kind of like, to use your your um, language before, he's hit his brick wall. He seems to be to like he's come to the end of his tenure. Like everyone stopped listening to him. Now, you take Italy out, I agree with your point. He's got a maximum of 23 points in a game this in their Six Nations. 23 points against the other teams, you know, being the highest score is, is not good enough. He should be scoring more of those, putting more points on the board. There's uh, a lack of identity. Um, and it's just, I agree, I'm actually not sure whether he'll make it to Australia. Or he might get a one-way ticket and then just be told not to come back again. So two points for me. One, next week I'm banning the word culture on this podcast. We have to do the whole <laughs> podcast without culture. Ownership uh, no. is allowed. Ownership is allowed. Though, yeah. That's fine, mate. If you can use a clever synonym, that's on you. <laughs> um, but culture's out. Uh, number two, look, my read, being in the dressing sheds and being all over this type of stuff, um, but he, he almost, he he comes across like a Mike Checker um, or a Ricky Stewart where they come into a team and they kick butt early. They're such a authoritarian alpha male they know their shit. They know their structures. Um, and I think proof of that is with Eddie, none of his assistant coaches hang around. Um, I think that level of intensity is hard to maintain. Um, and once you lose the intensity of the, the new coach, the honeymoon period, it actually comes down to, I hate to say it, culture, relationships, structures, um, consistency of selection, continuity, identity, and having really good players. Uh, which of those has Eddie ticked off in the last two years? <clears throat> and, I, and I think that's Maybe good players, maybe some good players. England have still got plenty of talent. And, and I think, sorry, the, the point that you just made there, what has what Eddie ticked off? I think we are, to use last week's, last week's phrase, a prisoner of the moment, we're all very fixated right now on the previous or the current Six Nations. But this is not... Um, this is not at the micro level. This is much bigger than this. We need to look at the bigger picture. It's not just one Six Nations. There's multiple Six Nations recently that have been the problem. There is no growth. There's no development in terms of structures playing, etc. So to, to bring that cohesion, something needs to happen. And unfortunately, I don't really want to say get rid of the coach, but I'm going to. I think to bring that cohesive nature, because there are good players out there, there does need to be a change at the top. I think what opinion. we've seen is the typical life cycle of any coaching tenure. Yeah. They come in. 
They get, if you're lucky, quick results. If not, you get them maybe a year or two later, and then you just eventually become stagnant and dormant and nothing really occurs anymore because everything is just the same. I think sustaining success as New Zealand has done is one of the most challenging and, you know, parts of history that will never be repeated in any other sport. Let's go. But the coaches who the coaches who tend to do that sustain success seem to be the less dramatic coaches. Uh, and I guess all we see is the media. Um, but you know, your Bill Belichick's, your Graham Henry's, your Dan McKellar's, Mate, your Stuart Lancaster, I wouldn't exactly call him dramatic. No, but I think he was friendly and gregarious. I'm saying the ones that tend to get that long-term <laughs> success. Yeah, lunch with him. D- d- you sit down. You sit down for lunch. We're tight, mate. <laughs> seem to be the blokes almost personality-less that rely on coaching, not personality, to get the team over the line. Anyway, that's enough bitching and moaning about England. I think we need to romanticise this Parisian side, this French team, uh, this is, uh, and I tweeted it, this is a special team, boys. This I think is it's a really special team. This is a once in a decade, once in every four years rugby team. They look brilliant. Um, I love them. I love watching them. I love everything look, they do. I love their identity. I love the backs. I love the forwards. They're a pleasure to watch. Yeah. Look, the standard's been uploaded to the Google Drive, hasn't it? Every nation's watching. This is coming over next year when the World Cup comes. It's going to be, it's going to be the team to beat at home. It's going to be the team to beat. The um, the, the litmus test is always, or the barometer is always, to use the phrase, "Can you win when you still play badly?" And I think they're learning to do that, you know, because they've always had the fantastic backs and yes, Dupont and Entomac and Fiku are outstanding, but their their pack is actually fantastic as well, and they can do the dirty work. It's not just getting over the ball, you know. I thought Aldrich, the number eight, was was awesome. Jalonge, you know, there's there's so many you, they can win multiple ways. And I love it when you talk French, Richard. <laughs> um, Whereas I feel like the, the French teams in the past could only win one way, but now they're learning to win in multiple ways and can be adaptable. And I think to beat the, the top teams, and they are obviously one of the top teams, you have to be able to do that. And the the juiciness of that 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 first group phase game in New Zealand, France in the, in the World Cup is going to be amazing. And I hope it sets the platform for an amazing tournament, really. And look, so much has been said about him, but uh, I said this to you on the weekend, Jim, DuPont looks like the computer simulation of a halfback. Like if you were making a halfback and putting in all of his stats at 100 in a computer game, it would spit out with DuPont. Um, he is box the head. archetype. He, box head, the height, the chunky legs, the attitude, the pass. Um, he, is, he is unreal. And I think the one thing... That he's bringing to nine, uh, and I and I bet you twelve months from now we see it replicated all around the world. Probably just not as well. Is the exit out of their own twenty-two? Um, because every team still goes for the fly half exit, or they go for the contestable box kick on the forty. Dupont just fucking roundhouses that thing sixty meters. Um, he just hoofs it, and you don't lose twenty. By passing it back, they obviously use the snake ruck to protect the ball and protect Dupont. But his ability, France's ability to exit, removes them from so much pressure where other teams just wouldn't would be twenty meters short of that. 
um, and would end up conceding three points or so. I, I, I just think it's a game changer, his exit, um, that ability to exit. It's, I bet you we start to see other halfbacks yeah. replicated. But it's also going back. I feel like we're going back about five years where we used to see a lot of uh, uh, Wallaby teams did it. They played off nine a lot. And I think his game management and his ability to play off him, I think, is also a difference maker at the moment as well. So it's not only his kicking game and and exits, uh, but also his game management, when to kick, how to kick, and how to feed his runners and when to go wider. I think he's just uh, a whole package, really. Yeah, and I think when a halfback does that and they need to be of a certain talent, I'm thinking Dupree in South Africa, um, George Bregan, those sorts of halfbacks. Uh, when they do that, it actually means the the fly half can pick their moments. Yeah. Um, and Genier and Quaid used to do it quite well, but Intermac, you see him, he just waits for his moment. He gets the ball when he wants it, not every breakdown, so he's not making a 1,000 decisions a game. Yeah. Um. The other thing I would also say, just last thing about the uh, about the, the French, is their bench. You know, talk about the bomb squad from the South African boys coming on. Their bench that comes on um, is also just such a, a game changer, a difference maker that they can change the game. So their bench is just so impactful. Yeah, yeah. the depth in that squad is, is off the charts. But it's interesting for the Wallabies, though. Um, they brought the E-team down here, France, where they take, came and played, but not actually... When, when you look at the uh, the quality um, of player that's playing for France now, a lot of those boys played down under. They did. I was thinking that too when I was watching them. It was the they were definitely branded as the E bunch, the F bunch. But when you look at the team sheet and some of the names and faces running around, like those were the boys that came down and did that tour. I think largely by us we branded it. Um, yeah, I think it was just nine and ten that were missing really. So I think that's pleasing for the Wallabies, if nothing else. Yeah. Pretty important, pretty important positions. Mm. Um, Do you want to, look, all credit to France. It's fantastic. And I have to just say, listening to them sing uh, La Marciale at the beginning and the the crowd, as you said, is just spine tingling. And um, France is a great country to to watch rugby in and hopefully it's going to get the country involved and the World Cup will be a great spectacle. Oh, won't it? I can't can't wait. And I think um, what I think is super important, um, and I think we do it quite well, is... You've got to enjoy this Six Nations win. It can't just be about the World Cup, right? They've no, won absolutely. a Grand Slam. A Grand Slam does not come around very often, um, and they've won a Grand Slam. They need to enjoy this moment, oh, um, and I think fans need to recognise this moment rather than just getting obsessed with that World Cup cycle. But holy moly, I can't wait to see them at home in the World Cup. The Six oh. Nations is the best comp running around town on an annual basis. Yeah, I've said that for a while. No, time zones, competitiveness, full stadiums, it's its all there, isn't it? Yeah. You can't beat it right now. You can't and and it's it. the and I, verse each team once that everything matters. Every minute matters. Every selection matters, as we've seen. Yeah. Um, think, and while we're on the Six Nations, should we talk Italy? Yeah, they do. They deserve a, they deserve a naming, winning their first game for as long as I've been watching. <laughs> Yeah, no, kudos to them. <laughs> like, and the fact that they beat Wales is also quite funny. So, yes, well done, hey. Italy. And a lovely, lovely uh, moment from Josh Adams the other day from the winger, who was clearly not the the best player on the pitch when he gave his man of the match award to the French to the Italian guy as well. No, that was a classy touch. It was, wasn't that? There was a few of those moments in rugby this weekend. Well, I was like, I love this sport. Yeah. It, it really is uh, a fantastic game with an amazing. I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy it while I've got it. Well, an amazing culture. Mm. <laughs> uh, I won't have it next week, boys, so I'm going to enjoy it. Best fans uh, in the world. 
I thought it was nice, Italy. Shut the uh, the naysayers up. Uh-huh. Um, they need that. They need one win every three years, keeping the comp. The, the uh, interesting, the interesting thing Wales. is, as much as, yeah, awesome that for, for Italy, but it's interesting with the direction that Wales are going because they were pretty much bottom of the Six Nations by Italy. Then they won the Six Nations, and now they're pretty much bottom of the Six Nations again. Who knows what you're going to get? They're like licorice old sorts, Wales. It's like pretty much like England. You never know what you're going to get. It's r- ridiculous. Well, they're normally at the top just when they get a few red cards going their way, aren't they? <laughs> Otherwise, they're pretty shit. Um, but I think that's testament to the Six Nations, right? It's competitive. Um, so, so it's easy to go from first to fifth. Um, within a season or two. Uh, so I think, um, you know, and it's easy at first to think you're going to win the World Cup and fifth think you need to sack your coach. It's a competitive competition. Um, it happens. But Wiles do seem off the mark at the moment. Yeah, they're, they're, they're trash. They suck. <laughs> <laughs> Talking of teams that are trash and are off the mark, should we jump across to the last game of the Super Rugby weekend, the Melbourne Rebels, which is probably their... One of their better performances of the season so far against the uh, against the Tars. Yeah, that's a nice way to put it. it um, they stink, mate. <laughs> it was actually one of their better performances, though. I thought of uh, and uh, of the season so far. They came into the game, Tars didn't put them away, and I felt like they actually had a chance to win into the end. It's it's one of the as I say better performances. Yeah, like the Tars. Once Bell came off, the Tars had lost Bell. Um, they didn't have Gordon. They didn't have Bell. They they were hanging on, mate. They, they were, were hanging on. Agree. That's why I said the rebels had a chance, which was a concern. Yeah, I, I think the rebels still stink, mate. I, I was deeply unimpressed with their performance again. Hmm. Um, they suck. The, the only thing I would say about the rebels is the fact is, is that their performance sucked. Yes. But they had a lot more ball this week, which concerns me that they still didn't do anything with it. They didn't look clinical. And they should have gone for the juggler at times and they, they took the three, which I know in international rugby is the way forward. But I'm sorry, when you got the tires under the under the cosh, you got to back your, back your set piece. Um, and then for the amount of meters that they ran, amount of carries that they had, it's just not good enough that they didn't actually win this game. This should have been the one that they had. All right, don't look. Don't look at your little team sheets. I know you got your apps open, boys. No looking. Who are the Rebel centres? Uh, Come on, no looking. I can see those eyes darting around on this Zoom call. No look. Who are the Rebel centres? Name one of them. Well, I know one. Nulu. But Nulu. you're just going to, yeah, new, I only know new. New. Fuck off. You don't know them, mate. I've never, ever seen them touch the ball. Do you know what? No, close. the centre did close, well. Man. The centre did well. There was the winger as well. They did their winger, uh, Vayu. By who? He did well at the weekend. He did. He no, played well too. Wasn't talking about the winger, Richard. Talking about the centres. I've never seen him on the field. Legitimately, wouldn't know they're on the park. It's a bit harsh, man. They suck, mate. And then I just see Callaway in this team. He's lucky. He like his stock. He got runs on the board. Got his poker chips cashed in for the Wallabies. Because right now he just looks like a awkward redheaded kid on the wing who's playing in his big brother's team. Oh, he's got no business being there. We know how talented he is. The Rebels just can't feed him. And you can see his contact, his footwork in contact. It's still all there. Um, but if he was playing in this Rebels team, you wouldn't pick him in a million years, would you? No. Um, Joe Powell's a bum. Um, and I just wanted to make one more point about this game, um, and I think I sent it to you boys. Need every bit, so you clearly don't want to talk about it, but I'll be quick. Um, I think it was at the 75th minute. Gamble made a try-saving tackle. Ron Jeremy. One. Ron Jeremy made a try-saving tackle on one of the Rebels. Head clash. 
straight head clash, head on head, smoked in. Uh, not a single mention by a touch judge, a referee, or a commentator. We just got on with the game. Old mate was there playing with his jaw for the next five minutes, and that was fine. All good. Accidental head clash, great tackle. Hang on, what happened last week? England v Ireland, 58 seconds into the game, and everyone said we, we have to have a red card to protect the players. The inconsistency, and I know one Super Rugby and one Six Nations, but the inconsistency of these rules make them an absolute farce. It shits me to tears. Um, and then if it's protect the players, well, we've got Matt Tamua going off with a head knock 10 minutes into the game. This bloke couldn't tour because he had migraines and concussions over summer, but he comes back on and plays the second half. And that's and then, fine. No one and, mentions that. But yeah, but in the later on in the half, he's then sat there, the TV camera panned to him with ice pack on the side of his forehead, clearly still in a lot of pain. But like the 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 inconsistencies of this player welfare, this head knock shit. And and I'm I'm saying I wouldn't penalize either. You can't mitigate accidents out of the game, look at it after the game. I'm just saying the that red card was given in England and Ireland. I'm vouching for you here, Richard. Um, I didn't get to see that game. I'm vouching for England here. That that red card was given, and then this one isn't like the lack of consistencies. And just Wayne Barnes, I don't know if you guys saw in the game, he was refereeing in Six Nations. It was a forearm to the face. They checked it. He comes over, interferes, and says, Guys, that's a rugby incident. Play on. And I just went, That's brilliant. Yako Piper in the France. Um, France-England game, there was a contact in the air. It was a yellow card every day of the week, every day of the week. But then he said, no, there was an obstruction rain, so forget about it. I loved it. But the inconsistencies of how these things are being ruled, I actually loved it. It was like Piper and Wayne Barnes had had, had, had enough of the cards and decided to put them away. But it was just a prime example for me of the inconsistencies of how these things are done. Um, if you boys want to jump on that, I'll leave it to you, but otherwise I'll leave it alone. But I just wanted to say that. It, it got my blood boiling. Well, I how could they not be keen? Because by not handing the card out, it doesn't make it about them, right? You give a card, you give a red, the whole end of game review is going to be about the referee's decision. I don't know how hardly they're pushed from the top about you need to do this, you need to do that, or how hardly they get addressed. You missed this call, this happened, this HIA was missed. I don't know what that review process is like. But I saw both incidences of which you referred to, and on another day and another person's pocket, they just give a card, right? Yeah, and that's a red, right? And a red and a penalty try, Rebels win this game. And, and yeah. no one could argue that that's not a correct ruling. So I guess my question or statement is, is, is this two dudes in a text message before they run out going, man, let's just see what happens. Let's roll the dice here. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just put them away for a week. Yeah, just see I think the, the Rebels' Tars one was just they forgot they forgot the rule. They forgot the rule that that's something they're penalising this year. Um, Wayne Barnes sent like he had a chip though. He did it on purpose. Um, that's what anyway. I, that's what I read into it too. Yeah. Um, just a, a, a lot of just a probably an opportune moment to ask this. Did you see Tupac got cited today? Did yeah. he? post game? Mm. Which was that the rough clean out? Yeah, the clean out. Yeah. No, that fucking that makes no. I can't, boys. Don't. <laughs> what are you doing, Richard? You you were throwing meat in front of wolves. You can't be doing that. Man, That's dang, outrageous. I'm dangling it, mate. He's going to miss that, a few weeks. That bloke is penalised for being bigger than everyone else. 
Hey, mate, he's used your system, though, you know. He's, he's got to stay in the game. He's been cited afterwards. He's used your... your fine. Uh, Actually, I, I am fine with that. It, and I, I didn't watch it closely enough. Live, it looked like a completely legal clean-out. Old mate wasn't supporting his body weight. How else you meant to move him? But anyway. That's they, they, want, they want you to bind. <laughs> they don't want you to just run at him. They want you to bind and push. Yeah, they want to be under control. They, you've got to be under control. That's what it is. Right. And anyway. Chippo's had that in his game his whole life. Yeah, absolutely. We'll come back to the Reds. Uh, later but, but it's on that point, fine. I agree with that. But the, uh, 70% of rucks, they don't bind. People just charge in. It's just he's bigger. It, it had a counter-ruck vibe to it too. Never never yeah. makes it look good. Yeah. Anyway, I'll do, I digress. Shall we um, Shall we play on? And the Tars seem like um, they've got the memo, and the memo is you're not allowed to chuck it to Parise because he might break the line. Yeah, I know. They've got a gentleman's agreement to not give him the ball. Yeah, I know. It's funny. But, but, but the I other thing, could I just out. say about the Tars, just say about chucking the ball to Parise, sometimes, and I know this might be a ludicrous statement, but they're too flat, their backs. They try and go really flat to try and get Parise over the game line, but then they're not good enough to get the ball out the back at the moment, and they just try to shovel shit. Um, so they 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 are actually really quite flat, and they need to sort that out. Like the try, the Fakedi try came from that because basically he didn't pass. Uh, but I think they just need to be show a bit more variety than that at the moment in that back line, particularly from set piece play. Not a bad show. I would say I was a uh, big fan of HGH thirty at a blinder. Yeah, um, uh, in the front row, I was very 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 impressed with him and impressed with his half game talk. He's the most well-spoken yeah, front rower in world rugby. He's, he's a proper doctor, class. mate. I think he's a proper doctor. Now, that's uh, um, Robertson, isn't it? I don't know. He's, he's definitely up in Sydney. Uni Jamie Roberts is, yeah. Jamie Roberts is too. Yeah. Uh, and how's Jamie Roberts? He's he had a child born the night before the game. Are you kidding? I know, it's crazy. What a machine. I know. What a machine. And he still rocked up. Oh, my. He just rocked up. I couldn't imagine. That's um, incredible. I, I, honestly. It's not before. Dude, I'm going to call in sick tomorrow because Jim, 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 had a Jim, podcast tonight. Jim, Jim, night with Jim. I'd, I'd stop talking, mate. Just, it's not just, the night of, mate, you know. That's Jim. real commitment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're a worry. Um, um, just, last between... two, just last two things on, the, on that game, by the way. Um, I liked when Carter Gordon come, it's come up, came on, but can I just say he needs to straighten. He did it like twice. He He drifts. Far too much in that team, and he really needs a, a, a straight run in twelve to be able to straighten him up because he's just turned sideways too much and trying to shovel too much. Um, so for him, that's one big well, area. Well, they've got Wes Waldo at twelve at the moment. Yeah, the true. Um, and that's that's because that's because he's played fifteen so much. That drift is encouraged at yeah. fifteen. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is, and by it's the a way, good point on Gordon. I was going to say, Gordon Richard is we we swing from his nuts. I think we all want him at ten to mirror at twelve. Um, but he that try was his fault. He just got ran over. Yeah, but it's like first game, first like moment, first like two seconds in the game. It's so good. But yes, he got run over. Forget, uh, forget he's never made a line break in his life. Uh, yeah, if, if he's running you over, you're in trouble. I did love the boys getting around Gordon, though. That was my other nice rugby moment this week when he kicked yeah. it dead. That's a stuff up. He's a kid, mate. That shit happens. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really love I thought, you know what, maybe this Rebels team does have a decent culture. Seriously, you tell us that we can't use that word anymore. You won't shut up about it. Yeah, seriously, do you need a thesaurus just to... Seriously, show some variation, man. You might read a thesaurus. I read Jim's book. 
<laughs> Still waiting for my signed copy, Jim, mate. Come on, mate. Uh, um, it's in the print. Is it the print? Yep. Uh, talking about being in the print is the uh, Pacifica finally got a game of their next game on the board this weekend. Obviously, lots of COVID issues at the moment. Huge. Um, and and um, obviously, a big, big concern with obviously the Super Round coming up and games stacking up. But, uh, but after 18 minutes and seven all, thinking this is going to be a great game. And unfortunately, it fell away in the end. And kudos I know. To it, it's so weird because, like, obviously, we're just. New South Wales just living with it, running with whatever happens. And I know New Zealand's been shut down for a long time. I know they're open now. But um, just to think that it's still hitting these levels, mm. that it's going to shut down an entire round. Mm. A race time for the 5 o'clock game for it to be not on. Yeah, it sucks. It is what it is, though. They've got to put the health of a run first. Absolutely. Um, but, I oh, mean, I'm glad we've got to see this one. Mm. And look, you know, in terms of uh, <laughs> uh, Leofano rolling there, I know he got uh, he got sent to the bin, but rolling the, uh, the the clock back a little bit. So there's a lot of potential in this Pacifica team. And uh, again, I was excited at uh, at seven all, but yeah, the Chiefs too strong in the end. Yeah, look, do you think this is going to happen to the Pacifica team um, at some stage this year? And it's happened now um, that they've just got run over. That Kiwi conference is going to be hard work for them. Mm. Uh, and the Chiefs beat Crusaders the week before and, and picked a very strong team this week. Didn't uh, they? They didn't go easy on them. They didn't They didn't mess around. Uh, and Sal Call is offload. He's Jim. If he's your favourite player, he's my second favourite at the moment. I really, uh, he's a beast. I'm enjoying watching him play. He's a beast, making a big footprint in the Super Rugby at the moment. Big isn't footprint, he? isn't he? Big yeah. footprint. Um, but it is what it is. That game, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Kudos to the uh, um, the, the uh, number eight for the Pacifica. He had a good game. Quite a few carries. He played well, but yeah, it, unfortunately, it's a it's a very uneven game and. Um, yeah, it's, it's a tough watch. It's a tough isn't watch. It's Force Boy, isn't he? Who? Yeah, Stowers. Stowers? Yeah. yeah, I think so, yeah. Stowers. Speaking of the Western Force. Oh, um, oh, 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 oh well done. Write that so, shit. Well yeah. um, Force versus Drua was certainly um, a really, really um, fun game. I'm going to use that Sunwolf slang. Uh, it really was. I, I, the last half an hour of this was an absolute belter. You could hear the Leichhardt crowd going nuts. Um, it was close. It was exciting. Your heart goes out for this Drew aside. They could they could have won three on the trot in a, a different telling of history, um, and they've just come short again. With all of that said, holy moly, the standard was shit. Both Wasn't teams. it? I was expecting much like the Pacifica game, sort of big fish eat the little one here, um, but it wasn't the case. Like they got away with they got away with it in the end. I mean, not the first time we've seen Bailey Kuenzel kick a winner. Am I right in that? I remember him doing it for the Rumbies back back in. Not the first time he's done it, but it still takes a lot to do that. And it wasn't an easy kick. It wasn't a gimme. Um, but, yeah, they got away with this one. Yeah, the handling of both teams was pass. It's not only that. when you, If you're the Western Force, I don't know there was a number of offloads from the, uh, from the Jura team, but if you're missing 29 tackles in a game, um, that's a lot of tackles to miss in a, in a Super Rugby round. Yeah. Um, and only making a couple of clean breaks. So I think it shows that the, the ball retention um, was was not good enough. And, yeah, they definitely got out of jail free here uh, because, you, you know, Fiji could have won and maybe should have won because, obviously, mm. the, the momentum turned in that second half. Yeah, and what we're seeing here is regression <laughs> back into the old Western force ways, right? They came out lights out. 
check the flex, we're ready. And now each week they're just progressively getting shitter and shitter. Back to that old style way in which they were two, three years ago. And it's something that they need to address. This is a problem. This I, is hate, going to be a problem. I hate to say it to Adam, say I said, do not touch, do not touch your 10, 12, 13. And then obviously Goodwin was out for I don't know what reason, but they've just swapped their nine and ten. You just you cannot just chop and change your nine and ten each week. Um, I know I was calling for prior to start. I just don't understand. Uh, I'm fine, Jake McIntyre. I'd prefer Pasatoa, but you've got to pick the same bloke every week. How, how do you expect your backline to fire? The only justification for it is they thought this would be a, an easy feat for him, which is really bad coaching. Well, the but Drua aren't messing around. No, no they've shown beat, that. They almost beat the Reds. They did beat the Rebels. That's an incredible story, isn't it, the Drua? Like they came together last November. Some of them were working in prisons in Fiji a month ago, Mm. playing rugby as amateurs. They're coming here and they're kicking our butts, mate. When they're not, they're just losing. But can you imagine in a couple of seasons once this thing builds? um, It's impressive. And I'll tell you what, I love shitting on Mick the Kick, and I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid just yet. I still think he's a bum. But he's done something with this team. He has done something with this team, hasn't he? Hasn't he? Because the last thing I thought they would have needed was skills, you know, something (laughs) they have a plenty. They they just needed a little bit of structure and a little bit of belief, but maybe Mick the Kicks picked something up in his day. He's doing a great job here, and I think he deserves the accolades, even though we shat on him for a good part of five years. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was a bit more than that. We just brought in an AFL coach and got him Mick the kick and said the Wallabies were going to change world rugby and we just lost every game. <laughs> Thought he was going to cop some shit. <laughs> um, no, really disappointing for the force. Um, it's funny though, isn't it? Rugby like the Drua. What, when will our expectation of them change? At the moment, whenever you play them, if you don't smash them and no one has, we say you've played poorly. And when the Drua just lose, we say they've played well. I think, I think. Do we need to recalibrate? First of all, I think that they are legit. I think the Waratahs <laughs> beating them forty points to ten in the first round is a bit of a smashing. Eh? You know, Oh, that was just cobwebs. They were cobwebs. That. Ah, oh, right. Okay. Sorry, Jim. I, I, I think the I think the Fijian team play really, really well as an underdog. As soon as you take that title away from them, oh. it'll be a different story. Yeah, I think um, normally for me, I think it's the first season. I think. Um, you're going to have uh, peaks and troughs in the first season because you're not used to the level of competition on a, such a regular basis. So I think for the entirety of this season, you're always going to be an underdog. Um, and then it's how you arrive at the start of next season will to determine um, what, a, what a game against the, the draw looked like. You know, is there player development in terms of skill set? Is there also um, good recruitment? But at the moment, I think in every game this year, you're still expected to beat them by 15-20. Yeah, I'm not expecting Mick to kick to put in OT at the end of the season to make sure they're ready. No. Um, and I guess we'll say this every week about the drill, but they are bringing a special ingredient to rugby in Australia at the moment. Joy. Um, they are bringing, yeah, they really are with the fans, Saffron. the crowd, the pregame, the, the shots of them in the shed. Love it all, mate. Love it all. But moving on, uh, I'm going to call it, boys. Game of the round. Game of the round. Brumby Shreds. It was was a pretty shit game, but given what was at stake, game of the round, Brumbies Reds? Got to be. Got to be. I watched the other games. They weren't game of the round. This one was. Game of the round. 
Richard, yeah, you haven't endorsed. You haven't endorsed. Waiting for you to get on board with the game of the room. Oh, I was just just waiting for a moment just to you know interrupt you two. That was all. You know, uh, it definitely was game of the round. Game of the round, definitely. Uh, but I have to say, by the way, would agree with your point that it lacked quality, but in terms of intensity, uh, was obviously right up there and enjoyed it for the ebbs and flows. Uh, but was frustrated with the gamesmanship and the, um, the inability for the for rugby to be at the forefront because it was. I'm, yeah, yeah. Look, I'm no scientist, but everyone knows intensity squared doesn't equal equality. Yeah. You know, um, maybe I am a scientist, but anyway, it's <laughs> not really. <laughs> it's it it really it gets lost. It gets lost when shit's on the line and it matters. And these two, this is a great narrative that's happening in rugby at the moment. Two years ago, Brumbies two and zero. Last year, Reds three and zero or three and zero the year before that, whatever. But but now it, great the, the tables are turned. This is this is top of the table clash. This is what we're we're witnessing history here. We're witnessing we're witnessing names that aren't known in each household fall off the lips of housewives of people not into the sport. They're using, they're bringing them up in casual conversation in cafes. These names are getting some energy behind them. This is history. I tell you what, if you're playing buzzword bingo and you had housewives for the rugby (laughs) report card, (laughs) fucking deserve a big win. That's all time, Jim. I didn't see that coming. Uh, First of all, I'd also like to say it's disappointing for all those listeners out there that don't get to see the animation that is just put on from Jim there, the gesturing that you've got. A lot of arm waving. There, yeah. was, there was that was outstanding. I'm not sure which way the penalty was going at that point, just like the referee of the weekend. But it was, that was very good, Jim. Um, you you are right though in terms of when you when there is so much at stake. Um, obviously, the quality is not always the best. But what frustrated me the most was the fact it was was the scrummaging, um, and I felt a bit sorry for the. And I know we talked about it during the game, but I felt a bit sorry for the referee at times because both teams were trying to basically cheat. And he made, they made it very hard for the referee, and he had no idea what was going on. And it was a shame because those two packs, uh, you know, the, those uh, they set forwards, that should have been a great contest, and it never eventuated, uh, which was really disappointing. But I think to Jim's point, the wider narrative <laughs> of this one is what's special. Um, it was a shit game of rugby. That happens sometimes, and I think it was two teams uh, really not willing to give an inch here um, that, that led to that sort of situation. And sometimes it happens, right? And I think scrum time was case in point. Um, it, it was just gamesmanship going on at those scrums. But it did buy a bigger problem in world rugby. There just wasn't a single scrum complete, was there, till about mm. the 60th mm. the reserve front row was on? Yeah, no. Um, and old mate was just, he was just evening it up which way his arm went. Like sometimes the Reds were going forward and the Brumbies got a penalty. Other times when someone like James Slip is going off their tree, he's probably right, and the Reds got a penalty. Mm. Um, it was just it was just set all over the place, the decisions. And, and this, is why, this is why I felt a bit sorry for him because, um, yeah, I'm super frustrated in it, but I felt a bit sorry because there was so much early engagement and lack of stability in that scrum. And they, both front rowers were just, uh, uh, well, both sets of front row were just taking the piss a little bit. Um, so yeah, that was just disappointing. And I liked that he called for three front rowers. Um, no, three, three, props, three props. Three props. Three props. He was all over that, wasn't it? It was very yeah, impressive. I, um, I thought, it, unlike last year, Brumbies were dominant at line out time, um, which they didn't have last year. Maybe that's because um, Salaka Lotto was out for the Reds this week. Uh, but I also think it was um, Frost is an absolute 
Farik. He was best on park for me. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. Frost and Swain are the real deal. Um, I've, he- I've heard rumblings that Australian rugby is doing everything they can to keep Frost from going overseas. Um, as they, they should. should. As they should. As they should. He is... Him, Bell, Tupo is is how you start to build a tight five. You throw just, water and Swain in that. You, you, look, we don't have a hooker, clearly, but Frost is an important piece of the puzzle. He's still very young now, but, God, he stepped up in this one. So you look at it, historically, the ACT is a little bit of a manufacturing jaunt for, for some great second rowers. Okay. They've spat out some quality down there. There is some height walking around there. Have you ever noticed people are quite tall in the ACT? Sort of lends itself to that position. You midget in a bathrobe, Jim. Oh, yeah. I notice. I'm a midget <laughs> everywhere. I know these things. Uh, talking of the light out, by the way, I did love the fact that both teams were getting the, the guy up to compete with the light out. It frustrates me at times where the other team will let the line out just be caught. And obviously uh, defend them all, or defend from the uh, from the attacking platform. Uh, but I love the, that most of the time they were throwing someone up and working out what the calls were. And it was a true competition at at, at its highest point. You know, some shitty line out throws, but um, I loved how competitive it was. Mm. Um, Just for some some like for likes, this is what I was sort of doing when I was watching it because there's a lot of positions for the Wallabies here that, that were in, that were in contest. And Possible I'm thinking probables. I think Banks definitely outdid Patea here. I yeah. thought O'Connor definitely did out Lola Sio here. Yeah. I thought Hunter Paisami probably pipped Ikatao, even though I know they like to pay him at 12, play him at 12, sorry. Um, I think Uru is putting his hand up. Yeah, we're going to have to talk about him not getting a jersey. Because yeah. uh, I don't think he's I was trying to do some research about this uh, before we started. I'm not sure if he's eligible yet. Right. Oh, but, okay. Because um, I'm not well, sure if he's been here five years because obviously... Well, because I agree. I agree. I think he was outstanding. I think he was brilliant and he's been brilliant for the last few games. And I like him at six. And he even put, you know, Valentini at eight, who I thought had a very quiet game, by the way. And then Hooper at seven. I think Uru's fantastic and he's had a great season, but I'm not sure he's eligible just yet. Yeah. Well, he must I, I, hope, I hope he plays the Fiji then. Mm. Honestly, I think World Rugby needs to, as much as I'd love to see him play for the Wallabies and pick him right now so he can't play for Fiji, in all seriousness, this is the type of thing we need to sort out. He needs Mate. to get a cap for Fiji and, and be playing for the Drewer in a couple of years' time. Um, I, I, I genuinely feel that way. But he was sensational, Richard. You're absolutely right. Um, he definitely got the points over Valentini this week. Valentini was quiet. One or two dominant plays, but we didn't see that work rate, which we've seen in the past. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. I thought Pete Samo looked outstanding, um, but was quiet. Um, I thought Brown for the Brumbies had a pretty poor game, but I think, he, I think he was concussed all game. But don't worry about that. Send someone off for fucking looking sideways. Um Anyway, uh, come right I, over Jock Campbell. That was the only the other one. But yeah, Jock's not a winger. Jock's not a winger. It will, it we'll have to talk about him being in the Wallaby squad as well. Um, I thought Nick White, I thought was a little disappointing. And the reason I say that is of all the four playmakers, I think he's the only one with the maturity to control a game. So I thought the Brumby should have been playing off nine uh, and White should have had some ownership, but I didn't see it too much. Do you know what's um, interesting? And I agree. I, I won't say who it was that got a bit angry that White came off and Lonergan came on, and I was agreeing that that was ludicrous. But then when Lonergan came on, um, he actually did run the game a lot more effectively than what White was. He was kicking behind. I thought, I thought he played really well when he came on. 
Yeah, Lonergan was impressive, wasn't he? I thought the same oh. thing. Um, I think Simone is criminally underrated. He adds a lot um, defensively. And his feet in attack and his, his decision-making, his ability to kick. I know we're spoiled with centres right now, but I, I was shocked to see him miss out to Fichetti in the Wallaby squad. Um, if I was carrying one of those, it would be Simone for me. Um, and I think Tom Banks, we're harsh on him, but he's the form fullback in Australian rugby right now. But is that uh, indicative of the quality of the others around him or because of him being at, at some point, he deserves some love, doesn't he? He's, he's, he's scored some pretty lights out tries. Yeah. He's scored some lights yeah, out his, tries. So he's his, had a good season. His support play, I agree with that. His support play at times is, is fantastic. He runs those lines really well at the Brumbies. Doesn't really run them as well for the Wallabies, but his support uh, lines are great for that Brumbies team. And I have to say, just talk about the, the Reds for a second. That whole back row, I think, uh, played the, uh, uh, the Brumbies back row. Um, as a whole, um, and I think uh, McWright played well, Uru played well, Wilson, um, and even then I think Blythe's got a good future for the Reds as well. He's not quite at, this, at the uh, Swain and, and uh, Frost level yet, but I think Blythe has got a good future ahead of him. Uh, I think McWright right now is the only open side flanker running around Australian rugby. No, I'd say Gamble is. I, I, he's not that good, mate. I no, think no, no, McGraw- you said no. the only one. No, but I mean genuinely... Super rugby standard could step up to international football. We're normally spoiled, right? Australian rugby's normally got a sway of number sevens you can pick from, a hundred of them. Uh, right now, Fraser McWright's the only one impressing me. Um, obviously, Hooper coming back into the, the tiles will change that. And if you put Hardwick in a good team, I think he'd, get a, he'd be much better as well. Where's yeah. Hooper been? What's he been doing? What's that all about? Riding Harley, I think. Yeah. So he hasn't been in Japan just, I don't know, doing that doing that scene. He just needed a break? Yes, mate. He just needed to retool from a very hectic year of rugby. Just, mate, uh, on the phone of Bowden Barrett. How did, you, how did you swing that? What'd you say? What'd you say exactly? Uh-huh. Yeah, we're good. Um, I no, think I, we've got to talk about the end of this game, though. Um, it's... The ref shit in the bed. You've got the arm goes out to the Brumbies. They've got advantage for the penalty. So they play out the back and then apparently his arm was never out, even though it was clearly out. Then the Reds are going to score the try. The Brumbies clearly pull the player back. It should have been a yellow card and a penalty try, but that's ignored. Then we have um, a knock-on, which was definitely a knock-back, and then we have a scrum where the Reds are dominant but he doesn't blow a penalty. There was like four or five horrific decisions at the end of that game. Uh, And I actually think as as a Reds fan, you'd be pretty pissed because only the first one uh, went the way of the Brumbies, like the wrong way. I just thought it was a nightmare. The end of that game was a nightmare. For a game this close, um, he shut the bed. Fast, farcical. It was an absolute um... nightmare. I'd, I'd, uh, I seem to remember, and you can, by the way, you are correct in your summation of the referees before forwards, but didn't you remember that uh, when it was so close last time and the Reds, Reds just got ahead? Weren't you complaining that the Reds all got the calls? And, you know, that was. No, no, no. Was. So I'm, hey, I'm very happy, man. I'm very happy. This is justice for last year. Justice. Yeah, okay. For justice for the Brumbies, yes. Uh, I'm fine with that, but it, it was disappointing to see it end that way. People oh, yeah, bitching, about, bitching about it. I agree. Um, can't wait till they play again. It wasn't the best of either team. There wasn't much continuity. There wasn't much flow in this game. But there's uh, a lot of good football players here. Um, 
that brings me to a lot of good football players. Wallaby squad. I know we've we've poked and prodded around the edges, um, but any big comments? Uru, I think you've addressed that, Richard. Probably not eligible. Um, looking at the squad, we still look skinny at two and fifteen for me. Ten. Um, I don't know if we're skinny, but there's just not an outright leader. Mm. Like, I don't get me wrong. I like Ben Donaldson as a, as a footballer, and I think he's growing into that role. But I, I think even long term, I don't even think he's the best 10 at the Tars. I think Will Harrison's a better playmaker. So um, I understand why he's in, and I totally get it. It's a Four. big 40-man squad. Yeah, absolutely. Totally yeah. get it, but just uh, um, big picture. I'm still, I'm still surprised. But I, Lola Sio is still uh, like a lot. I like a lot, um, too. But he's he not really delivering to that level. O'Connor has had a good season. But none of us seem big on him at 10. So you're right, 10's interesting. And then the uh the, the centers isn't was so talented there, but the makeup of the centers is um a really difficult one to come to. Um, I don't I don't think it is when you look at the starting lineup. I think if everybody was available, you know, you had Carl Blatch, I think it would be very easy. It's just Kravi and Ikitao? Yeah, I would say so, yes. Oh, just hard to leave Hunter out of that team. I, I yeah. just I, I agree, but uh, there's still too many um, holes in his game. You know, for Pipesami, he made a great hit the weekend. Um, it's unbelievable. It's what you'll want to see. But I still think his reads in defence, and at times he goes for the too big a hit um, and leaves himself open a bit defensively. But yeah. I have to say his, um, his passing and his kicking has developed exponentially this year. And if that is the curve or the trajectory that he's going on, then he's going to be... He's only going to get, get even better. So uh, Mate, deserves every spot he gets. The only thing I noticed with the, the squad, um, Ryan Lonigan hasn't had many minutes at all. There's something in that kid that Dave Rennie absolutely loves, and you wonder, you know, you got Ulysses. Um, it's definitely not his name, Ulysses. <laughs> You're just doing some American Civil War <laughs> shit, Jim. Um, Ulysses, mate, he's playing every minute for the Rebels over there doing his party, and he was the next big thing. And just not even a shoe. And, you know, his form probably doesn't warrant it, but he's playing in a losing but team. And the, Ryan Lonigan has played a minute all year. There's something the in that is, kid he loves. There not is Ryan Lonigan, the other Lonigan. Yeah. Yes. Lucky, there, sorry, yeah. There is something in that. But I think also we, we've talked about this before in terms of partnerships and cohesion. And, and I think when you pick a, a set of Brumbies, I think it's easier for someone who is part of the Brumby system to go into that system and pick up everything that we're going because you're part of that cohesive nature. Whereas if you're down at the Rebels, it might be harder. I'm not saying that's the right thing, but I feel like that's part of the reason why um, he's been picked over Ulysses. Do, 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 honestly, it's got to be said, though, for any Reds fan out there, is there a uh, McKellar bias in this squad? Eight Reds, ten Tars. It seems odd. Obviously, a lot of Brumbies. It seems odd that the Reds can't seem to get picked in this team. Who would you um, – I'll turn the question back to you then. Who would you drop and who would you pick up? Oh, look, I haven't done the numbers, Richard. I haven't done the numbers. Because <laughs> um, I think it's easy to say that, but I think when you look at them individually, I think it's very hard to say um, – to make a very black and white decision that this person should get picked. There's a couple in there, you know, like um, Neville from the Brumbies, Probably, if you want to go more um, youth, you go Blythe, for example. Um, so there's, but I don't think there's so many that it's so disgraceful that they've not been picked. You know, people like Jed Holloway. I think he said he deserves to get picked from that team. He's had a great season. Um, 
So I don't think it's as blasphemous as maybe that it's being suggested. You hate to think that the, the announcement of the squad limits people who doesn't make it, who didn't make it. But it is true, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I think, um, you know, with the England series coming up and a year out from a World Cup, you, you want to start to know your team. And I think that's the challenge for Runny this year. He needs to end this season knowing who his two is, his 10 is, his 12 is, and his 15 is. Um, and even his nine for that matter. You know, do we go into the World Cup with Tate or do we go into the World Cup with Nick White? And where does Lonigan fit into that or where does Gordon fit into that? Hopefully nowhere near it. Um, I think I think I'll answer that for you now. I think I know it's a long way up. I think White gives you control. I think you play off him as you mentioned earlier on, and I think Tate with elusive open field play at around the sixty minute mark. I think he's very elusive. His pass is not as good as uh, as White, so I think that's your that's your that's your nine part, isn't it? What about yeah. ten? Ten isn't that just James O'Connor and Quaid? <laughs> Finally, Richard, you've come did, did that, that it? <laughs> that this it whole podcast has been a setup for you to say that. How did feel, Richard? Coming out and of you lips. landed, and you landed it. Yeah, it's all for you, boys. Shall all we project it next week? Let's project. You got the lines there, Jim? Oh, I got the lines. <laughs> First uh, one is it going ahead, man? Are they going to play or what? Let's just say they all are. Let's just go with that. All right, sweet. Hurricanes and Pacifica. 25.5 is the line, obviously, Hurricanes to win. But as it stands now, and this, get your money on this one, they're $1.89 to win the Hurricanes. What's doing? What, head-to-head? Yeah. That's crazy. I'm putting the house on it. That's mental. That can't be true, Jim. You're talking nonsense. No, nah, you're right. I'm wrong. $1.89 to, to hit the line. That's yeah, right. Yeah. 25 points. Yeah, no. Sorry. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I'm not a gambler. Which I think is still a uh, fairly safe bet. Yeah, I mean, I'd still go the Hurricanes at twenty five. Yeah, it's a I'd lot of points, would. man. Yeah, I would too. How could you not? Yeah, this one, this will be a decent game, man. The Rebels and Drua line being, you're sitting down, zero point five. Oh shit! Even money. Even what are money. you doing? What are you doing at a zero point five line? At some point, at some point, in the, the middle Rebels of knowing the Rebels are not returning, you've got to tip the Drua for once, don't you? Yeah. You yeah, could. You have to. I reckon the Rebels get up in this one. Yeah, though, so, so do I. I, I reckon that's good money. <laughs> I think that's good money you there. Neg, no, says, look, I'm going to say Drew on the podcast and probably tick Rebels on the tipping comp. So. Um, Standard. Force Brumbies in the uh, the Western State. Uh, 9.5 line where the Brumbies win. I'd, I'd, I'd go with still with the Brumbies. I think nine and a half. I think... Um, you know, seven points for a try. I can see the Brumbies getting uh, winning more than by more than nine and a half. So I'd still go yeah. the Brumbies. Yeah, look, when the force play at home, do they gain an extra leg? We don't the know. Force, really. The force faithful. Do they, do they give an extra leg? Wasn't it best fans in the world? Wasn't it? Best fans in the world, Richard. You heard it. Yeah. Here. Mm. You know how you tackle the three legged dude? You go for the legs. Mm. That's Which what one? I'd be doing. Uh, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, Brumby's at nine point five. It's a good bet. Good bet. A couple of good bets going on this early. It is. Yeah. It is Monday though. These yes. things tend to change. Yeah, gamble responsibly. Um, Highlanders Blues. This is going to be a Blues win. That's where my money's going. So what's uh, the line? The line's eight point five. Yeah, still the Blues. I'm still on the Blues. We've got yeah. some heavy, heavy favourites here. 
We've got the Canes landslide, Brumbies landslide, Blues landslide. The only one mm. we're saying is even close is Drew or Rebel. So head-to-head here, you better get this right, listen. Yeah, and then oh, set the alarms. Set the alarms. Game of the round. Call them up, tell them you're busy. This is the and, – and what's great about this is it's not at the Crusaders' home, so it adds an extra element. The Chiefs with their third leg, can they do it? What's the line? <laughs> 0.5, my friend. Two in one round. Even money. This is game of the round. This is all time. Um, I'm, I understand why the Chiefs are even money, but I, the day I tip against the Crusaders will be a funny, funny day. I'm on the Crusaders. I'm on them too. Richard, where are you landing? Yeah, full house. Yeah? Yeah. Um, the next one, boys. <laughs> state versus state, mate versus mate. This is Phil Gould, zoom the camera in as he walks down the field. Rugby, state of origin. It started with a dream in the backyard of your grandma's house. (laughs) Reds v Waratahs. They used to say when you bleed, it comes out the colour you love. (laughs) Sorry. That's (laughs) true of this Queensland red song. Who are we on, Reds or Tars? What's the line, Jim? The line's 9.5 for a Reds victory. I don't think that's fair. That's very think? generous. Two posts suspended. Yeah, I'd actually go with the Tars or Dime. I'm calling a boil over here. At 9.5, Tars will do that at a canter. I'm mm. saying Tars for the win. Mm. No I'm Tupo. Saying, yeah, no Tupo. It's going to be a contest. It just comes down to what are they going to do with that third leg. No Salico Loto, no Tupo, no Tate. Um, this is a hurt and Reds team. Yeah, it depends got, if Bell's fit. they got three legs there, mate. Yeah, they got three legs. Has <laughs> <laughs> uh, that never come up before? <laughs> um, all right, boys, well, I'm committed to not saying the C word next week. Yeah, easy. Just remind me before we start. I don't think I've said it this week. You've said it a lot, Jim. Have I? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You got to push the book. You got to push the book, though, mate. All right, we understand yeah. that. I'm already working on the backup, the sequel. Oh, really? Yeah. What's it called? The third leg, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right, people. Yeah. It's been great. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate right. it.